<clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3. It is the Apostle Paul that wrote this letter to the believers in Jesus Christ, the believers that lived in the city called Ephesus. That's why the book is called the Ephesians. It's written to the believers from that city. And if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember that we looked at the first four chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes and read in chapter 1 and verse 9 where it says that that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And as I was reading the book of Ephesians yesterday in preparation for this study, it came to me that even though the people of the city of Ephesus lived so very long ago and were a very different culture than you and me today, inwardly, they were really probably were not very different from us at all. That's why I refer you back to that scripture that that which has been is what will be. And that which is done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. So as we read this book, keep in mind that it's being written to a group of people in that day, but God means this, this for us today. It's a living word. That's what sets the Bible apart from any other book. It is a living word that, that has power to speak into our lives today. You know, when you think back on the people that received this letter all those years ago, there were certain things that made them laugh, certain things that made them cry, things that made them upset. They, I'm sure, at times had fear and doubt about their lives and about the future and such. And when it comes to our humanness, there really is nothing new under the sun. We all struggle with the same things. And as we read the Word of God, it's important to keep that in mind, that this is working on our inward man, and I'm going to talk about that today. You know, not, not external things, but who we are inwardly. So as we look at chapter 3 here and we read the words of the, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of that church, that body of believers that lived in Ephesus, for, for me it's real easy to put myself in their sandals, if you will, and read this letter as if it was written to me. And if you look down with me, starting at verse 14, so we're in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to start reading down in verse 14. The Apostle Paul says to them, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So basically Paul is just saying here that he's praying for them. On their behalf, he says that he bows his knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And speaking of Jesus Christ, he says in verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You see, keep in mind that the church is from or born of, if you will, Jesus Christ. Romans 11:36, speaking of Jesus, says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. You see, as the church of Jesus Christ, that is, we that are those that believe in or put our trust in, base our daily lives upon Jesus Christ, we are the family of God. Some members of the family have gone on before us into heaven, and some of us are still here 
on the earth. And Paul here is simply telling the believers in Ephesus that he prays to the Father on their behalf in the name of Jesus. So we can learn from this this morning that this is how we are to pray as well, to the Father in the name of or in the authority that is given to us in the name of Jesus Christ. And what is it that Paul prayed for them about? Well, verse 16, he says that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Again, we need to read this as if it's written to us. right? That we would be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. right? And also you see those words there, the riches of His glory. I want to talk about that for just a brief moment, too. If you take a few moments here and just mark this page, and actually just look back at uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians. So it's only a couple pages, one or two pages from where we are right now. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll look down and we'll begin reading in verse 15. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, this is the same letter, keep that in mind, it's the same letter, it's just one letter that Paul wrote, but he's saying here, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, just briefly pause right there, because there we see a picture of a person that is part of the body of Christ, the church, the family of God, as Paul speaks of in chapter 3. The person that is part of the family of God is, as we see here in verse 15, a person of faith, a person that loves the saints, that is all others that are in the church family as well. Paul again is saying here that he prays for them. And in verse 17, he tells us what he prays for again. He says that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, wisdom and revelation... Let's make sure that we understand what is meant by those two words. Wisdom simply means being full of intelligence regarding a subject. That is, you have a complete understanding of something. That's what wisdom is. A deep understanding, right? But wisdom differs from knowledge in that, like I, like I just said, it's a deeper level of understanding. You may have a lot of knowledge about a, a subject but you lack wisdom. You lack discernment. Right? And wisdom encompasses both a complete knowledge and full discernment. How to apply that, that knowledge that you have. A lot of people have a head knowledge about this or that. But many people are not wise in the way they live their lives. Right? They may know what's right. See, to know what's right is one thing. To do what's right is another thing. And that's what takes wisdom. In Paul's prayer here, he's not praying that the believers would just have a head knowledge about Jesus Christ, but rather a knowledge of Him that goes deeper into the heart and actually changes who they are. Now, the word revelation, as it is used there, uh, is a word that speaks of the truth being laid bare. 
right? To put it in our modern vernacular, you say everything's out in the open. Everything's on the table, right? It's all in plain sight, right? Paul's prayer here for the believers is that they would completely and fully know what God has for them. The revelation, with revelation and wisdom. That the truth would be plain and clear to us. The type of wisdom and revelation that this is goes deeper than religion. It's deeper than a church affiliation. It's something that we know deep within our hearts. It speaks of, of the heart that is full of conviction regarding your faith in Jesus Christ. It actually does something in your life. It changes the way you live, changes the way you make decisions, changes who you are. That's what that, that full conviction is. And the person that lives with that revelation and that wisdom is that person that's going to be able to do that. And he goes on to say in verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. So there we see those words again that I pointed out to you in chapter 3, riches of glory. You see, when a person walks rooted and grounded in the faith, their eyes are opened now to new things. They are enlightened, as it says. They, they have a, a new hope. They have a, they're full of joy over the fact that they now receive an inheritance they will no longer be that same person that they used to be. Life has a whole new direction for them. That's why we are to seek this in our lives, this deep and personal relationship with the Lord, to worship Him and to seek Him. The greatness and the power of God is revealed to that person that fully puts their faith in Jesus Christ completely. And there's these riches of glory that take place within us. And as we turn back to chapter 3 now, what else did the Apostle Paul desire for the believers in Jesus Christ? He says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, that, all of those verses there just s simply speak again of wisdom and revelation as we saw in chapter 1. To understand the width, the length, the depth, and the height as it says there simply means that you have a complete understanding of something. You've given your all to it. To learn it and to know it. And that's what you and I are to have as it pertains to our knowledge of God and His will for our lives. We are to be people that are different from the rest of the world around us. People of love, not people that are bitter, envious, proud, boastful, but rather we are to be people that because of the love of Christ, we've been enlightened by God to understand things in a whole new way to look at life differently. And when you do, it affects every aspect of your life, every decision you make, your physical health, 
how you treat yourself, the decisions you make, you know, of every aspect, your finances, everything. When you're committed to saying, you know what, I want God's will to be done in my life. I want, I want to do God's will with everything that I have. The scriptures say that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And we say it all belongs to Him. So everything I have, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Him. What does He want me to do with it? My physical body, my health, how I take care of it, my finances, everything I do. What does God want me to do with it? He's given me gifts that I have in this life, this temporary life. And then in verse 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, for the person that is fully surrendered to God, like we're talking about here this morning, there is a power that works in that person. This power is, is far more than you can imagine, like it says there. This power takes a person that maybe spent their whole lives thinking in one way. They had a certain mentality toward things, but after they came to Christ and fully submitted to Him, everything completely changed. They never imagined that they would think the way they do now or look at life the way they do now. And it's not because religion changed their mind, but rather it's the power of God in Christ Jesus that changed their hearts. You see, if I were to spend time trying to convince somebody about Jesus Christ and I were to speak to them till I was blue in the face trying to change their mind, and it worked, and they changed their mind, someone could come along two weeks later and change it back. But when the heart is changed by the power of God, then it's, then it's fixed, then it's rooted. You know, I'd like to take a moment and have you turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. We're not going to be there long, but I really want you to see this verse. Proverbs chapter 4. It's about the middle of your Bible. You have the Psalms. A big book in the middle of your Bible, and then after that, the Proverbs. And we're looking for Proverbs chapter 4. This is a very important verse that I would encourage you to memorize or write it down on your, in your house somewhere or something. But it says Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Again, remember I said someone can change their mind, but their heart is way, is way wrong or way off, right? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So again, the heart is the heart of the matter. A person that has come to be changed by the power of God through faith in Jesus Christ is not a person that has simply changed their opinions or changed their minds, but rather they are a person that the, by the power of God, their heart has been changed. And out of the heart spring the issues of life. 
Being born again is not a matter of religion. It's, it's, it's not a matter of changing your mind. It's a matter of all things becoming new. There is now a wisdom and revelation and enlightenment that you never experienced before because you fully committed your life, every aspect of it, to God. And only God is able to exceedingly and abundantly able to do this kind of work in our hearts more than we ask or imagine. Right? It's a work that we could never imagine was possible. If we read on here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. So notice how out of the heart springs the issues of life, like it says there in verse 23. And remember, um, Jesus spoke about the heart too. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. You see, today in Jesus Christ, we have the power to do all of this because He has given to us through faith in Him wisdom and revelation. We can know, I, got, I shouldn't walk in that path. And all around us, people may be walking in a certain way, living a certain way, doing certain things. But we need to be wise and say, no, this is not what God has for me. I need to... Keep my eyes before me. Look straight. Have a narrow vision. You know, that, that, that's a focus, right? And what is our main focus? Where do we get our strength? We get it when we fix our eyes, the eyes of our heart, on Jesus. And we stay fixed on that narrow path that Jesus talked about. You can't just go through life willy-nilly, right? Flying by the seat of our pants, throwing caution to the wind, making decisions based on how we feel or what everyone else is doing around us. But rather, we need to go through life with wisdom, seeking God for direction and guidance. Do you know how much better off your life would be, our lives would be, if we'd just simply be led by faith in Jesus Christ and not by sight? What do I mean being led by faith in Jesus Christ? Doing what He wants us to do. Doing what is written in the Word. Doing what God wants us to do. Walking in righteousness and holiness. When everyone around us may be choosing the other way. Perverse lips and wild way of living and partying and all of this stuff. Oh, it's fun, but it leads to sorrow. But God has a life and a plan uh, you know, for, for our lives that, that is right, that is good. Right? And so many times, though, we make decisions in life based on the lust, of, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. You know, I want that thing because it looks good. I eat that food because it tastes good. Never really stopping to think if it's the best thing for us or not. But if we would just take the time to think, take the time to pray, take the time to let wisdom rule, we'd be so much better off with so many things in life. And I want to go back and point something else 
out to you here. Go ahead and turn back to chapter 3 of Ephesians. Chapter 3 of Ephesians again and look uh, back up at verse 16. I read it earlier, but I want to point something else out here. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. And that's why I want to stress here for a moment. The inner man that the Scriptures is speaking of here. And remember, keep in mind what we just read in Proverbs, that out of the heart, right, our inward man that is, it's not talking about our heart, that physical organ that, that pumps blood. It's talking about the center of our being, our inner man, who we are spiritually. That's the heart, right? And out of the heart spring the issues of life. There's so much that God has given us the power to do in everyday life that we simply gloss, gloss over and ignore, right? Instead of using wisdom and pondering the paths that we take in life, we just Go do, like I said earlier, what everyone else is doing instead. Or what feels good. And as a result, we suffer. But again, through the Spirit of God, we can be strengthened in the inner man. Now, why am I stressing that, trying to belabor the point here? Because I think it is so often ignored, the inner man. Because we get up every day and we, we walk by sight. You know, we look at the outward appearance of, of ourselves or life or whatever, but we never take the time to say, what decision can I make that just will change everything? The first decision and the foremost decision is to walk by faith in Jesus Christ, completely trusting in Him, because He will lead and guide us by His Spirit. Through wisdom and revelation, He will lead and guide us. And then as we do that, it'll be, begin to affect every part of us. You know, we'll care more about things. We'll care more about others. We'll care more about doing what's right for ourselves and for others, right? And let's go ahead and read on into chapter 4 of Ephesians. Here we will see some more examples of how we are to live by the Spirit of God leading our inner man. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." So we see some things listed there that are very contrary to how a person that is not walking by faith may walk through this life. We see there in verse 2, lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, and love. And in verse 3, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Today in our world, it's all about pride. Right? It's all about standing up for your rights. It's all about pride. Fighting for your cause. But the man or the woman of God is humble, lowly. We walk in lowliness, gentle, long-suffering, willing to yield to others in an effort to keep peace. A person's actions reveal their heart because out of the heart springs the issues of life. 
people that are fighting for their cause, standing up for what they feel is right, they're all about themselves. They're not considering how to be a person of love to everybody. They're just fighting for themselves. And that's pride. But we see that the person of God is lowly, humble. Okay? Verse 4 says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So pause right there for a moment because we need to understand what's being pointed out here. We are to stay focused on the Lord is what's being pointed out. Not to be divided up and confused and going into all different directions. We all have a single focus as the body of Christ and our focus is on the will of God being done in the inner man. Many people will name the name of the Lord and name the name of God while they're out fighting for their social justice. Never really looking to the inner man to say, no, wait a minute, who do I need to be? What does God want me to be? And then humbling themselves and becoming meek and allowing the Spirit of God to change them as to who they are. That's what the Bible is focused on. It's not fo the, the gospel is not a social gospel. The gospel is a, is a gospel that changes our hearts inwardly, cuts to us. Because a lot of times we can put up a facade and we can look good in the eyes of other people by what we're doing outwardly, but inward we're wretched and miserable and blind because we're not been changed ourselves by the Spirit of God. So when we read the Word of God, it's focusing us back on what needs to be changed within us. And the focus is the Lord. Verse 5 continues, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Very simply put, Christ came down from heaven, and by the grace of God he died for our sins, and that which held us captive no longer does because of Jesus Christ. He ascended back into heaven, and by His Spirit today, He still works in the lives of people. And how does He work in the body of Christ today? Verse 11 says, And He Himself gave some to be apostles. We know who they are, right? Paul, Peter, James, John, others, those that established the church. They set everything in motion through the spreading of the gospel. Some prophets, verse 11 continues, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And why do all these people exist in the body of Christ? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect Man, that word perfect means complete, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. 
but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So there, so again, there are apostles of the body of Christ, right? That people that were, or excuse me, people, I shouldn't say apostles, there are people in the body of Christ, even today, whose role it is to keep us on track. And this is what I stand before you and do on the Sundays that we gather. We are to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, firmly fixed in the faith, not tossed all about with one doctrine to another doctrine, but we need to be exhorted to live the Scriptures, to stand on the truth of the Word of God, and to realize that Christ is the head, as it says there. That is that Christ is our ultimate authority. He you know, it is His Spirit that will lead us. He holds all things together. Verse 16 says, From whom, speaking of Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So do you see that? Christ is the head of the body. Okay, Paul's given us a picture here, picture of the human body, right? There's a head, right? The mind is there, the brain is there, directs everything, right? But he's given us a picture here. Christ is the head, right? And you and I make up all the other parts of the body. You are to do your share in the body of Christ, just as I am to do my share in the body of Christ. We are to work to edify one another in love taking care of one another. And honestly, that's what I feel like I'm doing when I teach you the Word of God. I'm trying to edify you and take care of you in a certain way, in the realm of your soul. Who you are in your life points you back to the head to say, follow Christ. Listen to what He says. But you have your part in the body of Christ as well. And what happens is, it's just like the joints and the ligaments in the body cause the whole body to work well together. That's how the body of Christ should be operating as, as well. Verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, a Gentile would be an example here of a, a non-believer. Somebody that does not live their lives for Jesus Christ, okay? And we shouldn't walk in that way anymore. Having their understanding darkened, it says, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. You see, I, I don't like to point fingers when I read a scripture like that because I used to be there myself. Before coming to Christ, I walked in that way, okay? In ignorance and a blindness of heart, with my understanding being darkened. Verse 19, who being past feeling, uh, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Can you get my um, charger for this? Read that again, verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all cleanness with greediness. So that's how we are not supposed to walk. 
right? The futility of their minds, it says. In other words, um, whatever comes to mind, they just do it. The futility of their minds. That's how they're being led by this, these futile things, right? They do what they want. They say what they want because they have not been enlightened by the Spirit of God. Rather, they walk in darkness. You know, I think a lot about teenagers, people in that age group, because I remember all the decisions I made when I was about 14. You know, I made so many life decisions, believe it or not, when I was 14. I mean, I made decisions at that time that came to fruition in my 20s. Things that I did that I decided I would do at 14. So I often think about teenagers and how sad it is that they're not given wisdom, you know, at that age or won't receive wisdom at that age, right? They say youth is wasted on the young, right? And that would be the case for my life as I look back. My youth was wasted. Because of the choices I made, I, I, I didn't make choices that were enlightened by the Spirit of God. I didn't make choices that were right, the path of righteousness. I, I didn't choose it. I chose the opposite. But you know how much better off, I mean, not just teenagers, but all of us, like I said earlier, we can be if we'll just walk being led by the Spirit of God and what He wants us to do, Right? But people, is, people that live the way we're reading here, like it says in verse 19, they're past feeling, meaning they have this, oh, I could care less attitude. That's what I had before Christ. I don't care. I do what I want to do. But it was destructive. And, and, I, and it still hurts to this day, some decisions. Okay? How many times do you hear people say that, though? I could care less. They walk in their greediness. They, they're looking out for themselves and what seems good to them. But it says in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. Remember, who is he writing this to? Believers. People that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to come to Jesus to find that. Okay? So the question is, is have we learned Jesus? Have you learned Jesus? Are we walking, or are we walking as non-believers? Right? Or are we walking in a manner that shows we have been born again? Verse 22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember, it's from the heart that the issues of life spring forth. Proverbs 4.23, I really recommend you remember that verse. It's from the heart that the issues of life spring forth. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Have you been renewed in your inner man? Have you noticed the difference in the way that you think, in the way that you see things? Because that truly is the case for the person that is in Christ. There's been an old conduct that has been done away with. And something about you has been cast off or you've put it off. 
And then you've put on something as well. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you see that? When you truly come to faith in Christ, you are a new creation. There is now a holiness and a righteousness that, that, that God created for you. Right? You have been born again of the Spirit. You've been made new in the inner man. And God created this new life for you to now live in. And then it goes on, more examples. Therefore, verse 25, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So it's describing somebody that's acting like a fool, living like a fool, changing and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live my life to give to others. I'm going to work hard, even if it's just for giving to others and taking care of my family and others, right? Let no Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that, in, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And I'm telling you, there's no possible way to live this way without yielding to the Spirit of God. Because when you go through life, if you're just thinking about yourself, getting what you want, people will upset you, people will make you angry, and you will fly off the handle because you didn't get what you want, or it's not your way, or you're not happy with the way things are going, right? But that's not the person that's being led by the Spirit of God. Do not grieve, verse 30, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By living contrary to, to the way He wants us to live. How do our children, if we have children, how, does that, how do they grieve us when they live contrary to the way we want them to walk? Because we want what's good for our children. We want what's right for our children. We want that good path for them. And they grieve us if they don't walk in it. Right? That's how we grieve the Lord. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, verse 31, let all bitterness, how much bitterness? All. Right? Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. There's so much power in the Scriptures. So much to learn and to grow in. And, and the, the key thing that I'll leave you with today is that Proverbs 4.23. Out of the heart spring the issues of life. So what do we have to do? We have to keep our heart with all diligence. What is diligence? It means you're, you work very hard at something to make sure it comes about. And we got to keep our heart that way we got to keep focused on how we're living and say, God, help me. By your Spirit, let me live differently. And He will. We don't have to sit there and wait for it to just come upon us. It's, it's faith. We have to step out by faith and start living differently. Then as you do, it becomes habitual in your life. You realize you're making decisions now in a different way based on wisdom and revelation and knowledge. 
That's how God wants us to live. That's how He wants us to make decisions in this life. We'll close with that for today. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You again for Your Word that exhorts us, that instructs us, that sometimes corrects us and reproves and rebukes us, God, whatever it is, God. But I pray for all of us and all of those listening to this audio or watching this video, God, I pray that we would yield our hearts to you completely, Lord, that we would keep our hearts with all diligence, that we would surrender every aspect and every part of our lives to you, Lord, because you have a perfect plan and a perfect will for our lives. And you desire us to walk in your way, Lord, and in your truth and in your word. So God, I pray again, let your will be done, Lord. Let your will be done in our hearts, no matter what it takes, Lord. Break us, crush us if necessary, that you may mold and reshape us into the men and women that you would desire us to be. Again, we thank you for this time, Lord, in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.